Radio.com. This holiday season, more than you are tuned into the truth frequency. We are TFR. TFR. Truth Frequency Radio. Welcome to Cracking the Reality Code with Johanna Sand. In a world seemingly gone mad, what if you had the opportunity to shift your consciousness to reflect your divine nature quickly and safely? What would that look like and how would that feel? This is your opportunity to become the peace-filled center of the storm rather than be consumed by it. The world is awakening and so are you. Here is Johanna. Hello and welcome to Cracking the Reality Code. This is our live radio show at TFR every Saturday. If you're out there, thank you for joining me, Johanna Sand, and my co-host, Lillian Wilkinson, who's in Los Angeles, currently in Ecuador. And again, thank you for joining us. We want to announce our new website is up. It is crackingtherealitycode.com. And there's, we think, a fair amount of good resources on there and our back podcasts. And a way for us to blog and express ourselves. So check that out if you're interested in what we're doing. And uh, some resources on our guest that we have on our podcast as well. So thank you for that. So we are, Lillian and I are here today. And we always feel excited, right, Lillian, about what we're exploring. Very. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to, if it's okay, start out with a a poem here that actually came to my inbox this morning. I may not read the whole thing, but it kind of touches on what we've been, um, I think, just naturally drawn into with the intensity and chaos that appearing in our collective world today and many of us feel this personally as well because is there a real difference and the the sense of it I think what we're focusing here on cracking the reality code is how in the awaken with the awakening impulse for deeper transformation and realization of what we essentially are beyond labels and phenomenal understandings is this core that is what we point to now in science as the infinite field. You can call it love. You can call it God. It is intimate to us as our breath. And it's the, the, it is the paradigm shift. And I know we'll get into it more. I'm going to read a bit of this poem and then we will probably explore this. Right, Lillian? Yeah. And you know what, Johanna, I just want to remind you, you probably want to um, let the listeners know they can call in. Yes. We have the call in board. That. Yes. And that number is area code 213-233-3998. 213-233-3998. Yes, we are live in this hour. When we do it as a podcast and, you're, and it's posted later, of course, we aren't live then, but if you want to call in and give us your sharing on what is up for you, we really appreciate that. All right, so I'm going to start with this. Azrael comes not as light, but as shadow. Sorry for my silence, my withdrawal from the world. I got lost. I forgot that this is not my voice, but yours, the voice of suffering the volume set at 10. I forgot it is not the light that will save you, but the shadow. 
when the darkness is deep and the suffering overwhelming, then the revolution will come. The revolution will not be televised nor socialized, fantasized or proselytized. No, the revolution will be internalized, individualized, harmonized. Revolution will come when your suppression of the deep fails, when the magnitude, the volume of your suffering comes and washes you away in a tidal wave of fear and doubt, guilt and shame of word lies and shouted cries that threaten and undermine and finally push you into the abyss, then you must let it, let the darkness at the bottom of the well swallow you whole, let the monsters under the bed and at the back of the closet, under the basement stairs in the woods, let them come, let them devour every last morsel of you and pick their teeth with your bones. Let all those demons have every drop of you, all of your muscles and bones, every molecule, every atom, every thought, every breath, even your heartbeat and all the spaces in between while they are there. Let those nameless, faceless ones of sorrow and memory have all that fear and sorrow, the pride, the perfectionism, the ego, the illusions, the delusions, every story you have ever told and been told, let them have it all. When they are gorged on all that you can call shadow and darkness, let them come for your light. All your joy, your love, your cherished plans and expectations, let your light fill them to overflowing. When that is gone, draw up the earth and pull down the sky and feed them that too. Fill yourself an endless vessel of light that feeds the dark, the shadows, the demons, feeds them every last shred of light until every part of you is gone and you are dissolved, empty, a void. You are no more. When you observe that you are no more, there is only darkness, silence, the void. Ask the emptiness, who am I? What am I that I can see here in this void? Shout into the abyss, who am I that I can hear in this silence? Let the answer come then, echoing of the canyon walls and cliffs carved deep by your now vanquished despair. I am nothing, I am no one, I am here, I am not here, I am, I am not. I am not any of the stories I've been told, nor any of the stories I've been telling. I am all things and everyone. I come in waves and in single points of pure potentiality. I am light, I am color, I am sound, I am. There in that awakening, I is a divine illumined spark that has always been will ever be infinite eternal light which is energy whose source is as it has always been in that moment of awakened eye when you give birth to wisdom light you ask how how is it that i'm doing this alone in the void in that question, your eye radiating light in every direction, then comes a soft, dark, velvet shadow to enfold you in the most tender embrace. And in that union, sublime tenderness flowing all around you, you will know what love is. You will know at last the answer to the question, why have you wounded me, abandoned me, forsaken me? Love will answer so that you may fall headlong into the void, pass through the abyss, and find your way back to this pure energy of love. I am not darkness nor suffering. I am neither wound nor harm. I am not expectation or disappointment, neither rules nor conditions 
nor transmission and reception, nor attachment, desire, or projection. I simply am. I am pure energy, neither light nor dark, but the union of the two. I am true nature, looking through the eyes of pure mind, perceiving true nature in all others. I am the one who is smiling at the dark abyss, the abyss that is and only ever was, your light writ small. That is the revolution, evolution, awakening to love's true nature, revolution. It is not inevitable, though first you must willingly fall into the abyss. And that, my dear friends, is a beautiful poem by Michael Minger, poetry from the poetry of Michael. So thank you for letting me share that. That was beautifully read, Johanna. Thank you. Gosh, I don't know where to where to begin with that. (laughs) You know, good poetry like that just shakes your soul. It just resonates. Um, and the words and the languaging, I mean, I can, I can just feel it. It's like a vibration of, of truth. I think getting back to what you and I were talking about is it's the, it's the desire to capture that knowledge, that recognition, even if it's just from our heart at the heart level and and to put it into practical use and that's the i think what's up for me anyway i think that's that's the ask is what do you do when you can see the incredible beauty of what we call the darkness and we talked last week on our show and we use andrew harvey's phrase savage grace when we can see savage grace as grace, as love, freeing us from our own prison of fear. And it feels so brutal. And, you know, the point I think talked about the poem was, you know, the, clo- the, the monster in the closet or under the bed. And if we don't delve there, if we don't investigate, we will be forever held in our own little prison of imagination that there's something there terrible that is going to take us down. And even if there is something there, and even if we do experience something terrible that wants to eat us up and take this form of life from us, we still cannot really hide from the passion that beats in our hearts that knows that love is the answer. We know it. We know it. And, you know, we may be clumsy in in trying to express it, but that's the thing, that's the light that can't be eaten up. That's the light that will live beyond us. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, I feel this tender heart and I know you do too I mean I I sense um, and I want to evoke this with words with with the one energy that's here that when you mentioned that savage grace or this I mean the intensity that's enveloping us and seems to be coming from outside of us I think in this precious time, we are capable, if we are moved in this direction, to see the potential transformation and transfiguration in all that's going on, because it does catalyze, and we must turn our gaze you know, after we have some of our energy dividing us, creating the other, the enemy, being overwhelmed by all these situations where we seem to be losing our rights, our voice, um, our our health, all these sort of, uh, in the poem, I love the way they phrase that, you know, the demons, the monsters, 
that are hidden in the unconscious uh, envelopes of our of our built defenses and this incredible opportunity now i mean it's becoming at least more and more obvious to me is to see this see, see it clearly and and to the point is i think you and i and, and others that i think are sharing in this we can't turn away from the dark we must lean into the dark the dark within the the, the pressed feelings and emotions that we have wanted to put aside because it doesn't match what we think we are it doesn't match the mask so all of this energy has been in the shadows and it's begging for light it's begging for awareness it's begging for our clear passion of intention to see it and seeing is dispelling is you know that's that's something i'd love to hear your response to mm. our shifting this mm-hmm. yeah you know you're right seeing is dispelling and i i think of when we're faced with really dark times it's the way that i've snapped out of it and however i have is to see a greater truth to see a greater light. And I, I'm going to just go back to this little story I heard once, and I think I shared this before, but anyway, this is this story about a king and he's walking down the beach with all his counsel around him and he's got his his gesture, the court fool, and, and he, he stops and he, he gives his um, court a challenge and he says, he takes a, picks up a stick and he draws a line in the sand. And he said, my challenge to you is make that line smaller without touching it. And so after some time, they're, you know, they're all thinking about it. And the court jester came and he picked up a stick and he drew a bigger line. He drew a bigger line. And without having to touch the smaller line, but he minimized it. And this is what I'm talking about is when we can come up with a concept or an idea in our being that is a bigger line than the problem that seems to be facing us. This is how we transcend. And I feel so excited because we are, I really know, I feel we're at a precipice, all of humanity. And I'm going to go back to quantum physics because someone, I forgot who I was listening to, but they said that every earth-shattering new idea takes about a hundred years for it to really infiltrate into our consciousness and into our behavior. And it's been about a hundred years since quantum physics um, has made its appearance in the way that it has. And the bigger line for us now is the darkness, this, this line of horror that we see is forcing us to look elsewhere for a bigger light that is going to put this in perspective and going back to science because this is just what I was thinking about this morning what we know of the universe what scientists know of the universe right now is that matter what we call matter all that we can see and sense through form makes up at most about four percent of all of reality and so there's 96% that they call dark matter, dark energy. And all that means is we don't know what it is. There is a force, but we don't know what to call it. And we can't see it. It is formless. But that 4% that shows up as form is part of it. So it's actually, it's 100% here. But we're only seeing a very, very small fraction of it. And so I think that's what we're talking about. It's when we see through the veil of form as the end point. And we now recognize that there is a greater force that has always enveloped us, that has always been your body, my body, every body, everything, every situation, every circumstance is drenched in this unseen energy that creates form and is therefore creative and beautiful and amazing and intelligent. Every tree, every life form, everything is an expression 
of this unseen energy. And we are that because we're not outside of it. We're, we're part of that. And I think that's the new line. That's the bigger line that we're beginning to comprehend. So when we can look at the darkness going on, we can say, yes, I see that. But I also see that we are drenched in pure intelligence beyond what we can even imagine. And I trust that. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> so um, beautifully put. And I think that that sentence that you um, just shared is kind of the crux of, of this new science is we are this infinite field of potential that is v- very clearly sensed from our sense of awareness alone. You know, we can just be aware and sense this. That's kind of the bottom line backdrop of the that self that is observing and generating this reality. And it's so freeing, isn't it liberating to know, wow, well, if there is this infinite potential in our seeing of things, you, you know, we're not bound by the condition of the appearance because in a way of getting that appearance based on our the observer and the beliefs and the way that we sense that reality works, which of course is very illusionary because we cannot perceive the totality in that sense of it all working together. We just see it through the sense of time in a linear way, you know, the past and the future. And yet we're realizing more and more that we're pure energy here generating all of this And so the darkness or the sense of separation, the challenges most of us flow in and out of every day, you know, I I will say definitely that way. Some, Some moments I'm so clearly resting as the being and there's no or doubt and what's really cursing through the body and directing everything. And then there comes a moment where that all changes and you feel that thought, the thought matrix and the ideas of limitation or problem or, you know, you limitation that you cannot move. It's, it's pretty fascinating that those two dynamics exist. And I think we're sensing more and more this hunger. Of course, we all want bliss and flow and freedom. And it is a byproduct. I think we know of realizing more deeply that that quantum field that we are. But then there's the manifestation of what we are, which is often not so pleasant, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, but we're seeing as and through the eyes of the emptiness, the sense of awareness, the sense of the greater self, that vision and embrace of the contracted energy that appears as form and limitations sometimes, not always, but but it's I you know I, it's kind of works in tandem. It's seeing that that appears limited, looking with our gaze of light and intention, and being able to clearly see the belief or clearly see the limiting perception or concept that we have wrapped around something. And I don't know that we can do more. I mean, I know there's lots of exercises and screaming and lots of therapies that maybe use somatic sense to get it out of the body. But I'm sensing that most of this can be looked at and seen with a clarity of awareness. And that alone seems to be the transfiguring energy. What do you, what do you, I mean, I, to me, that's something I look at a lot. Yeah. Well, that's, I, this is why you and I love to talk 
about this as much as we do, I think, because we seek, we kind of approach it in the same way. I like to become aware of what I'm thinking and why I'm thinking it and what is it based on. And, and that's one way of doing it. But I think, you know, people have, everyone has their own way of doing it and how whatever works. Great. That's just what works for me. You know, I find it exciting to say, if I feel limited on something, it's like, okay, am I looking at this from a, I'm living in a dead universe and form is all that there is, or am I looking at this that I'm in this field of pure intelligence that is unfathomable for me right now, but yet is what holds everything together and is working together in a wholesome way. And there is no losing in this situation. There can't be. And, and that's how I just like to approach it and say, Oh, all right, then I'm going to go back and stand in this field of infinite possibility. I don't know what the answer is. I just know that there is. And it's like that saying where, you know, if there's a poison, the medicine is always really close by. I like to think the medicine is right here. The medicine for all that ails us right here, right now is here. Mm. Beautiful. And it is, and it's this miracle of seeing it that way. I know we're going to be having a break soon, so we'll have a three-minute break, and we would really enjoy for anyone out there to come come back in three minutes, and we'll be here getting more and more into... You're listening to the Truth Frequency Radio Network. No hate, no hype, no, 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 no fear. Hello. Hello, Johanna. I don't know if we are on the air or not. I think we probably are, but I am feeling a void. There you are. Hello. I can hear you, I can hear you now. Okay. 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 Yay. Welcome Yay. back. <laughs> Just in a few glitches here and there. You were talking about falling into the void and there you go. <laughs> here I go into the <laughs> into abyss. The abyss. <laughs> Technology, yeah. Hey, God bless, right? <laughs> well, you know, the beauty, I think, of what we're sharing, while I, I think it's requiring more of us, I mean, it's, it's quite simple, really, in its essence, you know, which is, uh, I think, something that a lot of us are hungry for, you know, the simplicity of, of, the establishing of our gnosis and realization of the pure energy field, the source field that we essentially are. And that's the, the beauty of that, which is not hard to realize, the living of it, the application to what you spoke of earlier uh, before we got off the air, you know, the, the deferring of um, what we call our sense of egoic self that has all kinds of interpretations and understandings about things and how it thinks it should go. And then the stark facing of the interference of our own thought process that keeps us from this pure, simple field. And in fact, the field itself is the only way we can really merge with the particular the particular peculiarities of our persona and integrate them you know the acceptance 
the acceptance of our of what we call ourself on all those levels and it's not we're not justifying and justifying bad behavior or right or wrong action but merely expanding in the spaciousness of what we are to hold the more limiting appearances of what we see outside of ourselves. Yeah, that's it's that is exactly right. And you know, it kind of takes a bigger point of view to be able to hold it that way. You know, I'm just I, I don't I'm not gonna say this well, but I'm thinking back to times when I felt so insecure and I felt like too shy to speak up or I just felt less than in my own head. And when I was in that space, I didn't have a bigger line to draw from. So I felt I was that. I was captured in that. Yes. But it was only afterwards, maybe through, you know, meditation or whatever, whatever systems we have where we can start to, to say, oh, my gosh, that's right. That is not who I am. Truly, who I am is this amazing human. And I just fell into, I, I used to call it, and I still do sometimes, I fell into a hole. And when I'm in a hole, I begin to believe that I am that hole, that there is nothing bigger than that hole. I'm in this dark pit, and that's all there is. But when I'm out of the hole, I can see, oh, I just fell in a hole. But I'm, there's actually ground here. There's sound ground, and I just fell into a hole temporarily. And so, but that's the bigger view. And so the next time you fall into a hole, you can remember like, oh, yeah, I've felt this way before. And then I remembered this, this, and this, or whatever it takes. And so we become our own lifeline, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and, and yeah. it's like we, we climb the ladder that way until we become more practice. And that's speaking to what you and I were talking about. It's not just a pretty philosophy to talk about. It's not just pretty poetry to listen to. This is our very life that we're trying to describe. Each and every one of us, we're all the same. You know, we're in different ways, but we are this unknown energy that is life. And it's quite brilliant, is it not? And quite expansive and quite a mystery. But it's amazing. It's, it's, it is here and we are a part of that. And so now we're learning to draw on that bigger line to get us out of the hole when we become overcome or feel overcome that everything is going, that we're going to die and everything horrible is going to happen and we'll never survive this. Yeah. Well, I'd like to frame the whole a little bit that you that you pointed at. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. And I'm I'm very much in resonance with the, what you're talking about, and you know, clearly get what you're pointing at. You know, because I think when we think of suffering, you know, we think of a whole of a, mias, a miasma of kind of contraction of of self you know, call it self-pity, uh, self-doubt, you know, self-loathing, or I exaggerate these, but I think the core underneath is, is the, the, the primary um, survival strategies that we had to take on, you know, and I think, you know, when we see it that way, of how how much we adapted and clearly created masks for us to be able to function and those things are are those beliefs and energies and getting closer and closer to what we call the core wound or the core wounds i think there's probably yeah. one of the iteration and so-called others of primary rhetoric like when I feel my kind of core wound that's not the core wound of separation but it's more I won't be heard or I won't be um, you know there's some sort of sense of being cut off or 
or banished, you know, maybe from the, the tribe or, you know, I will have fallen into complete excommunication. I know this sounds ridiculous and, and it sounds ridiculous when I even say it, but as I'm examining, you know, what you call the whole, I'm feeling the whole is a lot of the time ripe with a release of the light that is stored in that unconscious. And, you know, to frame it even in a way that works for us because we're so used to polarizing. This is not a good feeling. This is what I want. We all want happiness. You know, we all want pleasure and fun and lightheartedness. But I think we know that the game isn't played quite like that. We're not, that's not how we're, you know, it's it's not just chasing after a state or a feeling, a feeling good. Feeling good, I think, is the byproduct of our real, call it, uh, excavation of the realms of ourself and seeing clearly what really is this self that we give so much deference to, you know, the one that changes all the time, has lots of different, you know, positive and negatives and so on and so forth. So just, yeah, that's kind of the, the sense I'm getting and how, how and why I want to emphasize that right now, because I feel like myself need to know that everything that's happening, no matter what it looks like, whether it's a good or bad feeling, is all completely relevant to what we are now. You know, it's an opportunity to excavate things that we absolutely were not capable of before. We did not, we weren't, there's a, there's a timing in the sense of no time, you know, there's, there's a, there's a unfolding of all this in a way that appears in time, even though it isn't, but you know, how, how this all, how this all comes through. Well, yes. And, you know, I'm going to go back to what you started to share earlier that you said was sounding ridiculous, but it wasn't. I was totally resonating with what you were saying. And it was that sense of just being cut off. And I remember feeling this as a young kid, just going to school, elementary school. I remember feeling like the feeling was like I'm walking down these halls and I know I'm supposed to be here because I'm told that I'm supposed to be here, but I don't really understand it. And I don't really feel connected here. I feel like I'm just another name and I've been assigned a seat to sit in and I don't fit in with this group. And I sort of, I felt kind of lost and was that conscious? No, not really. I was going through the motions doing what I needed to do. But in hindsight, I can see that that sense of never really quite feeling at home on this earth in the way that I did when before school, to be honest, you know, like, when you're just an innocent kid playing and just being a child and then all of a sudden you're, you know, corralled. And I'm not saying school is bad. I am not. I, my God, I had so many beautiful experiences there. I'm just saying, talking, I'm speaking to that wound of separation. I think that happens to every human. Well, and well I, however way it comes, you know? Yeah. I wanted to uh, add, a, add something into what you said, because it kind of uh, had a little light bulb and we've t- we've framed this before too, but the the game seems to be played where we are born into this veiled experience, and we take on all these things and navigate this. And how could we not? That's how. That's the unfolding of it. Now, we're, so we've been fed, and hence. The, inc- the incredible appearance of narcissism in our world, the personality disorders, the challenges of, uh, you know, a sane kind of sense of self because we're being fed. We're literally being fed by uh, 
illusions that we've created about what we believe we need, which of course, from an ego sense is approval, you know, fitting in, being liked, being able to survive, right? That's a huge word. And we've, when we're awoken, awoke enough, of which I know you and I talk about this a lot and feel this a lot, when we're woke enough to have no question of the essential nature of what we are, but ability to be fed by the infinite, right? And the infinite is in everything. And our ability to shift the focus from being fed through all of these mechanisms that we believe we need to be fed by, which are actually creating a, a much tighter limited box for ourselves. So, but this does not come at the snap of a finger. This is something as we are seeing it very humbling. It's something you must live. You must see this in yourself, the ego's grip, not to judge it, blame it, beat it down, but to gently notice how the subtle ego is in demand of what it thinks it needs. Yeah. And I find this more and more subtle. It's almost hard to even see it, but it's so interesting when it reveals its head, you know, yeah. and then what an what an opportunity, right? What, what an opportunity, because we're no longer dependent on feeling a certain way or having conditions be just so right so we can wake up. How often have we heard that, right? Well, I'm really going to pay attention to this when I have the right job and the right relation, you know, when things are set up in my life. But the way things are setting up now is even more of an opportunity for us to realize this because what can we really hang our hat on now, you know, in these days? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think what we're talking about, I'm, I'm just, there's so many different ways to describe the ego, but for, for right now, I want to just, the way I'm holding it is the ego is that which comes from an old paradigm. And I think that we are blessed enough. Those of us who are here now, we're, we're at the tipping point of an old paradigm and entering into a new paradigm. Everything we thought was true of us, we are finding it's not that it was wrong. It's just that it was too limited, that there's so much more to what this thing we call humanity is, and that we are all literally in it together, literally as one, because we are from the same one life source. And so I think that in hindsight now, when I can think of myself as that kid being feeling sort of just lost in the world, that core wound that we speak of, that core wound is the validation of the that there's something more that you know so it's like that is what that it was the seed of discontent there the seed of discomfort is what flowered into this passion to look into what more is there to life and so it served its purpose and so it brought all we're all now at this place where we literally have an opportunity to embrace life and and I don't I don't even know if opportunity is enough I mean because if we find we're finding out that form is just a tiny part of what surrounds us and what comprises us every second and always has and that it is an unseen invisible field of infinite potential and power. And we are to that, not just to the field, but to each other, because we are the field, all of us were this. And so it is the death of an old paradigm. And the invitation is to maybe not fight so hard to hang on to the old paradigm, because that's what's hurting, I think. That's what hurts yep. me. Whenever I'm suffering, it's because I'm thinking from an old paradigm point of view. Yeah. And the paradox is that 
almost has to be seen because as it's seen as the old paradigm, the impetus, you know, the impetus to shift and transfigure that into this font where we are clear on real power. It's not power to uh, uh, get there someday, even though that plays into it in their evolutionary impulses here, right? And there is an appearance of evolution. And I think we function as if this is a part of the dance of this manifest, whatever it is we're inside of. But the, the deepening trust and letting go into this mystery of appearances and simultaneously knowing we're free from it and we are completely involved in it. You know, we are functioning in the role that we're more and more longing to know is the role that we're supposed to be playing, which I think comes when we just realize we're doing what we get to do, what is, is unfolding, and what we need to know and be about will appear in the now. We don't need to spend a lot of focus being concerned or trying to control what will happen, you know, other than moving with what we clearly get to make a decision with or get done and then leave it. Because when we've uh, functioned in the role we're meant to in the moment, it's out of our hands. It's out of our control. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that the world stage, it's getting easier to see that now. You know, yes, we have many, many narratives about what we think should happen. Different people see it from different points of view, have different timelines, different understanding. And yet what you and I are saying today and saying this is our new science paradigm. We're not limited by the outcome or the timeline that we believe is transpiring. We're capable of, of building on a whole other uh, dimensional or call it unfoldment because we are seeing it that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and just one more thing, this cannot be by just sweeping what we call things we don't want to look at under the rug. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, there was something you said earlier that I, I forgot what that was <laughs> that I was going to respond to. But um, yeah, it's and I, I guess what it was is just if we can recognize that all of our thoughts and conclusions are pretty much based on form, which is about at best 4% of all that there is to us. If, if that, if you can just like hold that for a moment and say, there's a whole 96%, which actually is a hundred percent that we are not seeing. There is a force here that is literally quite actively at, at work here. And so that it makes it harder to to stick. So I, I'm just like as an example. It's like if sometimes I think, oh my gosh, I'm spending too much money, and I need to whatever. You know, I'm, I'm limited here. And I'm like, okay, I know, I know, and I'm responsible. I know, you know, what's in your bank account doesn't mean I'm going to go out and spend everything I have there. But it is like, you know what? I'm basing I'm basing my sense of abundance on what I can see the little bit that I can see. And so while I'm, I'm going to not be silly and, and go, go spend everything I have, but I'm also not going to hold that I'm limited. I'm not. I am infinite. There is no such thing as limitation. When you think of all that is, is all that is, and we are that. There, there's only a life. There's only intelligence. There's only abundance. And so I align my thinking with that. And I bring that into the equation as well. And it's like you're inviting, a, you know, a smarter guest <laughs> in the room, right? You're, you're, bringing in, you're bringing in more power just by simply recognizing it, acknowledging it. And, and isn't that, you know, I think 
when we were kids or even now, don't we just want acknowledgement sometimes? We just want to be seen. We just want to be recognized. Well, let's recognize our greater self. Let's recognize. I think life wants to be recognized on that level too. And that's why we feel it. We feel what life feels, I think, in many ways. You know, we're certainly, right? So it's like, even the seeds of discontent have essential truth in it. And that's the nut we want to crack. That's what we're saying. Oh, we see this differently. Um, And I, and it is the catalyst form of itself. The way it appears has an inherent limiting structure. It has a certain appearance of, of beginning and end. It has, um, you know, even though we frame it, it's all the same substance, you know, because from this new science point of view there, it is all the same energy. You know, it doesn't exist in the density that we experience it. And, uh, you know, that that comes back to that our experience isn't all we we have an experience sometime that feels like limitation. Right. And that if we're in tune with with and resonating more and more as the field, then the only use of a limited experience is to see it more clearly, to see through it. So it wouldn't be showing up if that were not the case. So yeah. it's it becomes like a feedback loop of empowerment of real power because the manifest world that looks like it's out there and separate from us is really not what it really is it just appears that way and if it appears that way it's a very hard thing to crack and crack meaning yes you can tell yourself well no it's all entangled there's just one energy here we know that from science and yet I have a very distinct feeling of getting up and having this body, right? Making decisions, all all of these things and having to live with that complete paradox of knowing that what I'm experiencing isn't reality. And yet using that experience to more deeply surrender into and as the field you know, so that the field itself is is feeding the whole dynamic of this experience. And, and that comes when we see it that way, right? Well, we are, I think, coming to the end of the show. Lillian, what do you what would you like to sum up or share? You know, what came up when you were talking about this is if I'm honest and I can look back on my life, most of the things, I'm going to say all of the things that happened to me that were the greatest things that ever happened to me were not of my own doing. It was not my planning. It was, it happened. There is a greater intelligence at work. Yes, for sure. And that's what we're about at Cracking the Reality Code. It's let that intelligence run the show and access it. Thank you for joining. Check our website, Cracking the Reality Code.